Well, it's good to be here. I'm excited about being here, excited about being able to recruit here. Just let me say a word about Servants Heart Camp. If you want your college training to come to life, come and serve at camp. You know, you'll have the opportunity to sit across from 40 to 50 students, young people throughout the, throughout the year, and you will hear all sorts of things that you never thought you would hear. Just two weekends ago at a winter retreat, the counselor came and called me. She said, can you come and help me out? I'm not sure how to counsel this girl. This is a girl from a church that if I would say the name of the church or the name of the pastor, many of you would recognize it so it's not some way out church. I sat down with the counselor and this other girl and she said, my dad sexually abused me when I was younger. This is a 13, 14 year old girl. She said, he's in jail now, and she had to work through all sorts of emotions. And she felt like she was trash. How are you going to counsel a young girl like that? I could tell you how I counseled her, and it was, it was exciting to see the smile come on her face as she grasped a hold of some truths of God's word, that God could make something beautiful out of ashes. Or maybe you'd sit across from a young guy from another good church, that says, I don't like it, I hate it. But he said, I feel attraction toward, toward other guys. He said, we play, the guys from that church would play football on Sunday afternoon. He said, I love it when I get tackled and there's a, a group of guys on top of me. And he said, what should I do? I mean, the guy was desperate. He hated this, but he needed some biblical counsel. I think of uh, one young lady, a, a pastor's daughter, the pastor of an independent, fundamental, separated Baptist church, and she gets verbally abused, significantly verbally abused at home, and she is just crying out for help. Uh, oh, I could go on. A pastor's son, probably 13 years old, a pastor's son, another independent Baptist church, sat down across from me, and he said, yeah, I accepted Christ, but I'm just questioning. He said, is it true? How do I know it's true? And you can get through all these technical things in telling them why it's true, but you need to reach his heart. Those are the types of things that you will have the opportunity on a daily basis. And to think about the fact that there is a mom and a dad somewhere praying that God would get a hold of their young person's heart this week, and you have the opportunity to make that, make that impact. In any event, I'm excited about camp. I'm excited about what God can do at camp. And we have seen him do some great things. It's not the only area that God can work, but the concentrated teaching and preaching and activities that are set up to bring everything to the climax is a perfect opportunity for the Holy Spirit of God to work. So I'd encourage you to stop by and chat. If you just even stop by and chat, you'll at least get a Three Musketeer bar or some Swedish fish. I don't know why you'd want Swedish fish, but we have them anyhow. So, so if you at least stop by and chat, you know, we'll give you, we'll give you something to, to nibble on. Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to open God's Word. I'm humbled to be here. I feel like perhaps you, you fellow, you guys and girls here, some of the greatest preachers in the United States right here. And I happen to be a farm kid from Lancaster County, from the Pennsylvania Dutch country, and <laughs> grew up in a denominational church, never went off to Bible college, and to see the Lord, a liberal denominational church, and to see the Lord 
start to show me things has been exciting. And I'm going to do something just a little bit different than probably your normal chapel this morning, but I'm going to share some things of how God used this book to bring me to the point where I am standing here right here today. So please understand this is not about Jim and Pat Fry, but I'm just going to share some things that I hope will be an encouragement and a challenge to you. Do you ever struggle with knowing the will of God? Now, we have the Word of God, and certain things are very clear in the Word of God. And we have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is very real. But I confess for myself, sometimes, I'm not sure if it's the Spirit of God working in my heart or if I ate too much pepperoni pizza last night. I really, you know, is this, is this what God wants me to do? And I'm really struggling that. Over the years, I have found that as I allow this book to be filtering through my mind on a daily, hopefully moment-by-moment basis, it allows the Spirit of God to make some things very clear in my life. And I think we need to be very careful not to minimize the Spirit of God or to put the Spirit of God above the Word of God, but as the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together, He can give you absolute direction in your life. I'm going to share some of the scriptures. Now, we are not going to turn to many of these passages of scriptures in the interest of time does not mean they're important. But I'm just going to go through some scriptures that have been meaningful to me and have started to move me along. We'll start about 25 years ago. I know, that's ancient history. It was a, it was a Wednesday evening before Thanksgiving, typically your praise service. I was sitting right out here somewhere. An elderly gentleman was sitting right up here. He got up and quoted a portion of Genesis 24, 27. I, being in the way, the Lord led me. And he went on to describe how Abraham sent his servant out to look for a, a bride for Isaac and how he did everything that he was asked to do and how he was praying. But when it came right down to it, he said, I, being in the way, the Lord led me. Not in the way of the Lord, but as I was going about trying to please God, I needed God to give me direction here. I needed God to give me direction here. I needed God to continue to give me direction. That was probably 25 years ago. It made such an impact upon me. It's amazing how different services. I can hardly remember what happened yesterday, but I can remember vividly that service. That verse made an impression upon me. I went home and added it to my scripture memory verse, uh, scripture memory uh, stack, I have probably quoted that hundreds, yea, thousands of times since that time. And I really believe that is how God has worked in my life. It's things that I could not have possibly orchestrated, as, as Abraham's servants could possibly have not orchestrated all that happened. I being in the way, the Lord led me. Let me jump ahead to April 15, 1999. Now, you guys really don't care about this yet, but someday you will. Does anybody know what happens on April 15th? Taxes. You pay your taxes. So I paid my taxes, 
And then my wife was encouraging me to see the doctor about a little lump here in my neck. So I paid my taxes, went to the doctor, went to the family doctor. By that afternoon, I was in with a specialist. And I learned the word cancer. Now, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Are God's gifts always good? God's gifts, however, do not always come wrapped in beautiful wrapping paper. This was more like a stained, crumpled up brown paper bag with the wrapping. The gift was very good. I am confident I would not be standing right here today without that gift of cancer. God used that in a very real way. It's not that we weren't active. It's not that we weren't serving the Lord. We had a, a large youth ministry. We had, a, we had a business, and we had a large youth ministry, and we were lay youth leaders. But the Lord used that to, to thrust us on. And during that time, at that point, the doctor said, well, he said, the type of cancer that you have, I would expect that you'll live at least 10 years. Now, I know for you, being in the 40s sounds old, but when you're in the 40s, 10 years doesn't sound like very long. And we said, what are we going to do? We've got to do something of more eternal value. And over that time, uh, the Lord gave me the verse, 2 Chronicles 20:15, And some of these verses are excellent. Uh, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by, dismayed by reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. That's the verse that, the, that God gave me. That was uh, Jehoshaphat at that point. The, 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 the army was coming, and he said, Hey, it's not up to you. He said, It's up to me. And that was the verse that the Lord gave me at that time. And, you know, I wasn't really even asking the Lord for healing. I remember of laying in the bed... <coughs> And I thought, man, this is going fast. I thought I was dying. I mean, I honestly thought I was singing. I was trying to praise God. My wife said I was moaning. But I was really trying to, to, to give God glory during that time. So that was another verse that was a significant, a significant uh, time. Now, young ladies, let me, let me share something with you young ladies. Sometimes husbands... Uh, well, let's just say there's a time to talk and a time not to talk, okay? I was scared to death of needles. I was scared to death of needles. I remember of walking into the doctor's office. This was a little bit later as things were progressing. I walked into the doctor's office, and over here on the counter, there's three syringes laying here in the doctor's office on the, on the counter. And I said to the nurse, what are those three syringes for? She said, well, the doctor would like to get three biopsies out of your neck. And that did not sound very appealing to me. So they sat me on a chair, and they put Novocaine in it, of course. And, but then they take this needle in here, and they go like this because they want a good sample. And I, about that time, it got about 900 degrees in that room. <laughs> and for the first time in my life, the only time in my life, I passed out. My wife thought they hit something wrong and killed me. Uh, so, so, now here's where it comes, girls. We get back out to the car. I was not in a position to drive. I was not fit to drive. I got in the passenger seat. My wife got in the driver's seat. She looked over at me. She said, honey, 
She said, you're always encouraging people to meditate on Scripture. You're always encouraging people to have Scripture in their mind. Why didn't you have Scripture in your mind? Honey, I said, I did. I remember vividly. I sat on that chair. My verse for that day was Psalm 18.3, and I quoted it. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Needles! I, I, was, I was convinced that needles were my... I was convinced that needles were my enemy that day. Well, we determined that we would try to, to sell the business, and I don't have the time to tell the miracles of that story. Don't picture a multi-million dollar business, but we just had a small business, and, and uh, we were able to sell that. Every door of opportunity that we tried to walk through, the door had closed the door. I mean, you ever go up to a motion detector, you're getting close to the door, you feel like you have to go like this to see if the door knows that you're there, so the door's open. Every door of opportunity closed, and we're saying, Lord, we sold the business. I was still going through some treatments at that time, so it didn't, it didn't make sense to go out of the country. But think, doors that opened up, and we're walking through, and they slammed and hurt our feelings and, and just didn't, didn't work out. About that time, a, an acquaintance, he was from Turnpike Baptist Church, he called me, he was a youth pastor, he said, Jim, you've worked with teenagers all your life. He said, have you ever heard of Liberty Bible Camp? I said, no, never heard of it. Not a camp in our circles, but he said, it's only being used two weeks a summer. You should go look at it. We went and looked at that camp, and uh, I was excited. I thought, man, here's a, a, a camp with eight cabins and a kitchen and an activity center and a playing field and a stream, and it's only being used two weeks a summer. So we didn't know anything about camp. I mean, not anything significant, but we decided to have camp that year. So we had two weeks of camp, one week of teen camp and one week of junior camp. And I believe there's ongoing fruit as a result of those weeks of camp. What the Lord can do through concentrated teaching and preaching of God's word is just amazing. So the next year we had another week of camp, and the next year we had added another week of camp, and we continued to adding weeks of camp until we were up to about six. We did some family camps and did some additional teen camps and junior camps and uh, that sort of thing. And one year, somebody walked onto the property, and they were doing maintenance around the property. I found out it was the director's son, the director and his wife's son. And I thought, well, this is funny. I never saw this guy before. So I started asking around, how comes, you know, where's he come from, how, where's he, well, I found out he just got out of jail as a child predator. So I called our insurance company and I said, what should we do? They said, close camp. You don't understand the risk that you're taking having that guy on the property. So we talked to the director and we had some paperwork drawn up that he was not allowed to be on the property. The insurance company's not worried about a broken arm, but this is something they were significantly concerned about. So the director came to me and said, she said, I thought you were Christians. I thought you were forgiving. And now you don't take my son and want my son on the property. What kind of people are you? It was pretty tough. Well, the next year, we had our brochures printed. We had our speakers scheduled. Uh, we already had campers registered. We actually had a contract with camp when she called and said, it was the wife, the wife was, well, she wore the pants. But the, the wife called me and said, we're not going to rent to you this year. Talk about devastation. I mean, we had seven weeks, we were running the camp for seven weeks that summer. Uh, 
We had campers registered. We had speakers coming. We had brochures printed. I mean, it, it was, wow, what do we do? Do you remember the verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20? But as for you, ye thought evil against, ye thought evil against me, but God, God meant it unto good. Are they allowed to talk? <laughs> okay, tell, tell, me, tell me the story. What if he had reason to be upset? Was God in control? It took me a little while to see that. They definitely meant evil against us, but God meant it unto good. We searched and searched and searched and finally found another place to have camp that year. We, I think we had to drop one week, but we found another place to have camp. It was several hours away, but that was a very good thing. Uh, God used it in many, many ways. We had already been looking for a camp, but we realized we desperately need to have a camp of our own if we're going to be an ongoing ministry. We found a Muslim camp. Pastor, the Muslims put our worship to shame. We found a Muslim camp, and we went and looked at this camp on several occasions. They were having a public auction to sell this camp. They were having some financial difficulties. Uh, one of, because it was the first day of family camp, I felt like I could not go. I stayed for family camp, sent one of our board members and his wife and another couple. And that morning, we're going we're gonna to turn to this one, Psalm 107. Now, that morning, when I was having my personal devotions, probably because, you know, colors catch my eye and that sort of thing, this was the Bible that I opened. You probably can't see this, but verse 6, 13, 19, and 28 are underlined in red. And they basically say the same thing. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 6. Verse 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 19 and verse 28 are basically all repeated the same thing. Then verse 8, 15, 21, and 31 were highlighted in yellow. And they basically say the same thing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. That morning, my eyes fell down on this passage, I think because of the color, and my eyes fell on verse 7, which says, And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. And I said, Lord, is today the day that you're going to give us a city of habitation? Is today the day that you're going to give us a place that we can call home? Several hours later, I got a call from our board member. He said, Jim, we bought a camp. He said, we left a $75,000 deposit. He said, uh, I was excited. I mean, I, I went, my wife was around the corner up in the kitchen. Uh, I went around to tell my wife, and guess what she did when I told her? Girls, what do you think she did? She cried. She cried. Uh, 
we were excited. I went into the families and I said, families, this is so exciting. This is the last year we'll be on a rental property. Next year we'll be up. We have bought this, we just bought this property. I told them a little bit about the property. I was just, I was just as excited as you can imagine. That was on a Monday. Wednesday afternoon, I got a call from the auction company. They said, even though you were the top bidder, your bid did not quite match the amount that was owed to the bank. Somebody else came in and uh, said, what, well, what was the amount? And they said, they will, they will pay the full amount. So they didn't even check with us. They said, okay, we'll sell it to you. They sold it to somebody else. We had no chance of making, a, making an offer, doing everything. Have you ever felt low? Have you ever felt devastated? We were praying that God would make his will perfectly clear. We were earnestly praying that God would make his will perfectly clear. If they would have come back and said, will you give another, I don't remember what the amount was, another 20,000, it would have been our decision. God made it very easy for us, and he closed the door. We serve a great God. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way, but we serve, I mean, at times like that, you think, God, did you forget about us? We found another property, and uh, we ended up buying that property, 215 acres in Ramey. I don't have the time to tell you the difference between the property that we were so disappointed and the property that we bought. They're not even a comparison. We went to that property after camp in uh, 2010. They had the, the previous owners, there was, we bought it without buildings, without water, without sewer, without electricity, but there were a couple picnic tables that were left there. I went to those picnic tables, I sat down, I opened my Bible to my scheduled reading for that day, 13 months later, and you know what I turned to? Psalm 107.7, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. That's not about me, that's about a great God that knew the next years were going to be beyond my imagination of challenges that we would run into. And God knew that I needed a confirmation that we were walking in his will. And that was just a huge blessing to think. I looked at that verse 13 months earlier just because my eyes fell down on it. That morning it was my scheduled reading and I read, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Well, we realized in fact, those verses are actually on a plaque. My, some of you know the Madrids, uh, Pastor Sean, that's my son-in-law. He bought, they bought us a plaque that's actually in my office, Psalm 107, 7 and 8. Uh, it's kind of been just a, a significant verse. Well, we realized that uh, we needed to have some civil engineers help with this project. So we were, you can't picture this, three hours away is where we live, so we talked to a local civil engineer and uh, talked about the services and what it would take to get utilities on the property. And I said, okay, sold, go ahead, we're gonna go with you. So he was gonna draw up the paperwork. Well, we went up to the property and we talked to another civil, civil engineer, just a, a much smaller firm. And this girl told us, it was a, a female, and she told us, well, I know all the local regulations. And she said, I think I can get it through much faster than anybody else could because, and my wife and I thought, wow, we really need to go with this lady. So I, I talked to the board, I said, this is the lady that we need to go to. 
go with as an engineering firm. A couple days later, as I was going through my scripture memory, I don't know why I would have picked Numbers chapter 30, verse 2 for my verse for the day. But that was the verse that I picked for that day. And so during the day, I was going about, if a man vow a vow or swear with an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, but he shall do according that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a man vow a vow or swear with an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, but he shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. What do you think the Lord brought to my mind? The Lord brought to my mind, you told those guys you were going to go with them. You haven't signed a contract yet because they didn't draw it up yet, but you told them you were going to go with them. I struggled for a little bit. I believe this, this, this local person could do a much better job. I finally emailed the board and I said, here's the situation. I believe we have to go with this original firm. And we did. And I was convinced, I am convinced the Lord, I know, I'm not convinced, I know the Lord honors doing right. And let me tell you a little story. These engineers drew up the plans. We were excited about getting utilities on the property. It's coming up toward camp, and we're planning to have camp on the new property. And I got a call from the Pennsylvania DEP, and they said, we're denying your permit to bring utilities on the property. They said, the engineers didn't miss this, but you have exceptional value wetlands. Now, exceptional value wetlands are the holy cow of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. You don't put a telephone pole on one side of them and the other side of them. You just don't touch exceptional value wetlands. They said, they just sent in the plans as if you had wetlands, but you have exceptional value wetlands. Woo woo. Uh, <laughs> so they said, you have exceptional value wetlands. So they denied a permit. We looked, we searched, we could not find a way to get utilities in the property. We had camp those first years. We had camp. We trucked water onto the property, put it in big tanks up on the hill. It flowed by gravity down into shower tents. We had generators, I think six generators around the property. Uh, we had porta potties that Monday morning smelled right nice and fresh and, and I don't know what the mint, mint smell I think it is. They didn't smell like that on Friday night. Uh, so we finally. And I don't have time to tell, just real quick. I, no, I don't really have time. There was, there was an 18-foot window of opportunity 125 years ago when they were putting the railroad bed in. Somebody didn't excavate properly, and the ele it was elevated too high, so it wasn't a wetland. We found an 18-foot wide window of opportunity that we brought all the utilities on. It was it, just to God be the glory. But uh, So this engineering firm, we finally found it, so they drew up the second set of plans and submitted them to the Pennsylvania DEP. So they sent them off to the DEP, and I'm excited to call an excavator, so I call an excavator, but I look at the plans and I call them back. I said, how are we gonna get the sewer from the house over, because I don't see that pipe that, we have what, a stream crossing. Uh, I don't see that. They go, oh, we missed that. We missed that. Don't do anything. We have to submit another set of plans to the DEP. Meanwhile, the clock is, ticking. They're charging us for every penny. I was, I was just, I thought maybe they would do it for free. Uh, but meanwhile, the, the clock is ticking. So they, they draw up the third set of plans. They sent them, sent them to the Pennsylvania DEP. We finally got those plans back. I'm excited to go and I'm excited to get the, you know, the excavators. They contacted me again. They said, stop. They said, 
U.S. Army Corps of Engineers stepped in and pulled your contract, pulled your permit. We paid that firm now over $90,000. We are a small ministry. $90,000 for us is huge. Till we finally got a permit that we could put utilities on the property. Have I looked back? No. God confirmed that through Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, that I need to be obedient to him. I was convinced that he was going to honor it by some financial way. He didn't honor it in a financial way, but God always honors his word, young people. God always honors his word. We need to hasten on. Well, the, the property has a seven and a quarter acre lake on the property. So when the DEP came, they said, well, you need to have this lake permitted. We need to do a, a breach analysis. In other words, they said, we need to know what would happen if it would rain 20 inches in a 24-hour period, and then the lake would break wide open. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> so, so Pennsylvania DEP has three classifications of lakes. They have a high hazard lake, they have a low hazard lake, and they have a no hazard lake. I was praying that we would have a no hazard lake. As the engineers started working on it, because of my great faith, I took off no hazard, and I was just praying for a low hazard. Lord, just give us a low hazard. I remember, same engineering firm, I remember when the, same, the engineering firm called me and said, Jim, you're going to have a high hazard lake. It's going to cost you ten dollars to $12,000 a year just for the permit to keep that lake. He didn't know how much it would cost us to bring it up the high hazard classification. Uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars to bring it up to high hazard classification. And I think my wife will remember, I said, does this pull the plug in the project? We, we can't do it. We can't do it. He said, well, there's the high hazard. There's just one building causing you to go into high hazard. It's out on the other road. He said, it's behind the Alley Popper Bar and Restaurant. He said, buy it. He said, tear it down. He said, do something. So I went out to, to try to talk to the guy. Long story. I don't have time to tell the story. And I walk in, and I see him behind the bar. He didn't call it a bar. He called it something more classy. But I walked in, and I said, how do you tell a guy you want him to tear a building down? But we were prepared to, to help him out with it. I started talking to him, and he, he just goes off on me. So, so you're, you're the guys. Had the DEP in here. He said, ever since the DEP has been in here, I, they changed my classification. I'm now in the flood zone. He said, my insurance is going up $500, and now you want me to tear that building down. Honestly, at that point, I didn't really care about getting that building down. I wanted to get out alive. I'm start, I started backing up toward my van like this. I thought, just get me out of here. And the Lord, in his goodness, all of a sudden, the guy said, where's this lake at anyhow? I didn't even know there was a lake around here. I said, do you want to see it? I said, yeah. We drove up the road. He's following me. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, change his heart. Lord, change his heart. Lord, change his heart. We get up and, and uh, go through a couple of the cabins that were built already. He said, man, this is really nice. He said, tell me again, why do you do this? I said, we want to bring kids in. We want to see them, first of all, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and then take that next spiritual step, whatever it is. He said, well, that's really neat. He said, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> the, the, 
Then he started telling me, he said, we're not a bar like you think we are. He said, we don't serve drunk people. And he said, we don't do any of that under the table money stuff. And he said, so he was telling me what a, what a upright bar they were. <laughs> so, so he said, we need a, we need a house and all He said, can I bring my wife back and show it to her? Sure enough, that evening he comes in the driveway. He said, give her the tour. So we give her the tour. She said, we sat, stop by, you'll see the picture of the lake on our display. We sat in this corner of the, the edge of the lake there, and she said, why are you showing me this? He said, well, it's because of that building behind, I forget what he called it. He said, because of that building, they're going into a high hazard classification. She said, it's nothing but a chicken coop which we fixed up. Let's get, tear it down and get rid of it. Make a long story short, we paid $5,000 to get rid of that building. One time fee of $5,000, not a ten dollars to $12,000 every year. One $5,000 fee that that building was not a factor. We went immediately from a high hazard lake to a low hazard lake. But we're not finished. We were at the board meeting, and at the board meeting, now you can't picture this, but Three hours down here is Lancaster County. Up here is Harrisburg, the, the capital of Pennsylvania, where the DEP is. And we're out here in no man's land out in Ramey. So we were having the board meeting. And one of our board members from Lancaster County, I'm saying, and Ron Meese at the DEP. I don't even know why I used his name, but I said, Ron Meese at the DEP. I've never met Ron Meese. I've only talked to him on the phone and by email. But one of our board members said, uh, Ron Meese? He said, my kids went to the same homeschool co-op as his. Next time I'm on the phone with Ron Meese, I said, hey, do you know Phil Huber? Yeah, he said, our kids went to the same homeschool co-op. So we chatted a little bit. He said, would you mind if I'd review your paperwork? What am I going to tell him? No. <laughs> I, he, said, he said, let me review that. About three months later, we got official notification from Pennsylvania DEP. We are not a high hazard lake. We are not a low hazard lake. We are a no hazard lake. To God be the glory. Great things he is doing. Oh. We were not very well received. One last verse that I'll, no, forget that one last verse. I'm not going to do that that the preachers do one last verse and then get three more. But uh, <laughs> we. <laughs> We were not very welcome when we moved into the community. The first thing we heard, you're bringing teenagers here? You're going to bring drugs and alcohol into our community. <laughs> that lasted for a while. Then they saw our staff, and they saw the, you know, the staff around town, and they said, it's a cult. It's a cult back that long lane. And I remember going to the, to the Ramey Borough Council, and the lady just sneered at me. She said, I was on your website. I saw your doctrinal statement. She said, you won't unite with one church that's around here. Uh, well, I said, they're welcome to come to camp as a camper. But, but I couldn't refute it. We weren't going to unite with any of the churches around. Here. And they, I, I mean, they were mean. It was very hard for me to keep my, uh, a Christian-like composure. I will tell you that the... the the town has been warming up um, much, very much, but don't have time to get into that. But we had to get from the Ramey Borough Council approval to put our sewer line across their road or underneath their road. 
and that I just got run around after run around after run around to get approval. They just, they just would not give their approval. And this is the verse. Well, then, then we finally got approval, and then we didn't have the money to do it. And the verse that the Lord brought to my mind was 2 Kings 19.19. 19. Now, therefore, God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hands, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. At that point, you know, it wasn't even about us. It wasn't even about servant's heart. I said, Lord, just give us the money so we're not an embarrassment to this community. After we went through this and, and hassled and hassled, and finally they approved, and now they're probably chuckling that we, we don't even have the money. We need, I remember when we needed $20,000. For us, $20,000 is huge. I remember right where I was at, and I got a phone call, and the guy said, hey, he said, do you have that SOAR project finished yet? No, I said, we need $20,000. He said, you know what? He said, my wife and I talked about it, and we're going we're gonna to send $10,000 to get this project rolling. Man, I was so excited. I called the, I called the company. I said, give me an updated quote, because we're close. We weren't close. We were $10,000 off. But I said, give me an updated quote. I said, we're getting close. The next day, the guy calls me back. We have to hurry. The next day, the guy calls me back and says, you know what? I don't like to send checks by by mail. He said, I'd like to send them U, U, UPS so I have a tracking number. And he said, also, he said, we decided we're just going to go ahead and send you the $20,000. So he sent the $20,000. We were able to complete the sewer. Turn with me, if you will. Almost in closing. The judges. Chapter 6. Verse 13, this is Gideon. When you think of Gideon, what do you think? Do you think about the miracles that God performed through the Gideon? But listen to this. This is Gideon. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told of us? He said, well, you used to do miracles. We never see any miracles. As we finish this up, and we need to finish this quickly, I'd like to challenge you with two things. I know that you're having your devotions. I know the Bible is important to you. Is the Bible constantly filtering through your mind? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. When? Man. I love to get in the practice of laying my head in the pillow and quoting my verse for the day as I'm going off to sleep. But what's the end of that verse? What is the promise? Do you realize you are promised spiritual prosperity and success as you memorize and meditate and allow God's word to filter through your mind? Is God's word important to you? Oh, I know you say it is. I know you say it is. But is God's word filtering through your mind on a daily basis. Secondly, when did Gideon see the, the miracles? When he entered the battle. Is there a battle that the Lord is calling you to enter right now? You know exactly what it is. Maybe it's a friend back home that you need to go back and make some things right. I don't know what the battle is. The Holy Spirit does. My two challenges today are is God's word filtering on a daily basis through your mind? And what is the battle that God 
wants to perform some miracles for you. I don't know your normal procedure. If you need to do business with God, this is the time to do it. Brother.